Over the past few weeks, we have been exploring the original Living Lights faith stories by Zonder Kids. And in doing so, we've explored some intricate facets of religious thought, as well as I could possibly cover them. Uh, in the Berenstain Bears and the Golden Rule, we took a look at the ethical precept of the Golden Rule and how it applies to religion and kind of where it comes from and the way it functions within different traditions. In the Berenstain Bears Say Their Prayers, we took an in-depth look at petitionary prayer and its flaws in the very sick concept of asking an infinite being for something and how the Berenstain's sort of took that and reconfigured it to show the problems of petitionary prayer. In the Berenstain Bears Go to Sunday School, we covered a brief history of the concept of Sunday School, how it started out as an effort to uh, bring education to the poor and ended up becoming an institution in and of itself that persists to this day. And so this week, as we take a look at the final book in the original quartet of Living Light's faith stories, it is now on my shoulders to address the biggest question of them all. In the Berenstain Bears' God Loves You, I am forced to ask, does he? <laughs> Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear cast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and 1 John 4.16. God is love. God is love. God is love. According to 1 John 4.16, that is. But is that really what 1 John 4.16 says? Uh, kind of. 1 John 4.16, <laughs> I'm just going to keep calling it that, uh, actually says... And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So that's the whole line. It's not just the God is love period part. Uh, it's part of a larger uh, ch chunk about God's love that kind of repeats itself and folds back in on itself a lot, uh, relies a lot of sort of circular reasoning, the concept that that. God is the actual concept of love, and because God is love, God has this love, and so God sent Jesus to die for our sins because he loves us, so we have to love each other so that we can be like God. It's, it goes around and around and around, but it doesn't answer a lot of the questions that we have. So in, in preparation for this book, The Berenstain Bears' God Loves You, I did a little research. I, I looked, I, I have, okay, I basically just asked the question, does God, does God love us? Like, theologically speaking, is that an actual statement that you can make if you are a believer, that you should make? Is that a, is that a responsible argument? Does God love us? Uh, I mean, the answer is neither here nor there to me. It doesn't affect my personal life. But I think it's an important question to ask uh, if you are a believer and if you are the kind of person who is going to answer a child's question with the, with the response, God loves us. So don't worry about it, because eventually kids are going to look deeper as they get older. And is that question going to come back and hit you in the face? And if God does love us, who is us? And is that love as infinite as God? Some people say yes, and some people say eh, yes and no. So I looked up a lot of a lot of church websites, and these are Christian churches because that is who the Berenstains are addressing, to see what they had to say about 
you know, the, the answer to answer the question, does God love us? And one religious website simply posted a bunch of quotes about love from the Bible, love and God. And what was interesting about these quotes, and they go all the way from Deuteronomy up through, uh, goodness, well, looks like up through John. <laughs> Good old John. Uh, but they mostly concern God commanding other people to love. Uh, they're mostly concerned with human beings loving each other uh, because God tells us to, which is fine. I'm not suggesting that that's a, a negative thing. Whatever you need to find the inspiration to love another person, do that. Like, just use, like, if that is what ends up becoming your motivation, then whatever it takes. Go out, just start loving people. Love each other as if they were yourself. Uh, but that, but that's something, it was just curious that, that that was what I noticed, is that most of God's comments on love are about going out, you people show love. Whether or not God loves you didn't really seem to be much of a concern, particularly in the early days of the Bible. Uh, later on, when you start dealing with Jesus, whose whole thing is love, and sort of that weird, like, separation between Jesus and God, like Jesus loves a lot of people, but like, does that really mean God does? Or is that why God sent Jesus? Because Jesus was capable of like limiting his own capacities in order to feel something as basically human as human love? Who knows? I don't know. But other websites uh, said, no, God doesn't love everyone. Uh, the, the, the notion that God loves you is uh, limiting. And, th and this isn't just meant for to be like contrary. They, they actually address the fact that much of the Bible, much of the controversy or the conversation is around, does God love everyone or does God only love his elect? Does God love people in general or only the people who listen to God? We know that God hates it when, not hates, but that we know that God does not revel in people's death. Uh, he's like every death, he feels every single death. He doesn't find happiness in death. But neither do I. I, and I. I can't claim to love everybody. I have been saddened by the deaths of people I barely care about, but who affect me, I, who I find it sad that they died. Uh, celebrities and the like. Like, I don't know these people. I don't love them, but I am saddened by their death, and I take no joy in it. Even completely hateful people who I despise, I don't take joy in their death, but I certainly don't love them. So God taking no joy in death isn't really an argument for it. So the, the so the question remains: Does is it is it fair to say God loves you? Is it fair to say that in just a, as in general? Uh, is, is it helpful to tell that to a child? Does it does it end an argument? Well, that's kind of what the Berenstain Bears "God Loves You" is about. And I chose this one as, as at the end because it it encompasses a few of the concepts that we've already covered in the previous three books. So what is The Berenstain Bears God Loves You About? It's a very, it, this one's a really plot-heavy book. This is a very Berenstain Bears-y book. It's, it's, it involves quite a few characters. It involves brother and sister and their pursuits. Uh, it takes place at Bear Country School for the most part. And the, the, the basic crux of it is that sister wants a part in the musical, and Brother Bear it wants to be on the basketball team. So Sister's going to audition for the musical. Brother is going to try out. So we sort of bop back and forth between these two threads. Uh, and right off, the, the real kicker, like the second page of the book, tells us that Sister is auditioning for the musical, which is The Music Bear. Now, presumably, this is the bear world equivalent of The Music Man. 
which is phenomenal. Uh, and that sister is going to audition with the song I Feel Pretty from Bearside Story, which raises a whole lot of interesting questions about their universe's version of West Side Story. If their version of West Side Story is Bearside Story, does that mean that the Jets and the Sharks are two different animals? Is it that they are, because race doesn't exist in bear world, uh, species do. Is it is it the Jets are bears and the Sharks are other animals? Like, are they goats? I don't know. Is it that the Jets are bears and the Sharks are grizzlies? Is that what it is? Are they Maybe that's it. Uh, all we know is that it takes place in New York's bear side, which... If that's the thing, are there parts of New York that aren't bear populated? Is that where a large like do you still see like more of a melting pot in in New York City than you do like on Manhattan Island and you do uh, elsewhere in bear country? I don't know. It raises that question. So Sister's going to try out for the musical. Babs Bruno's going to try out. She has a really nice voice. And Queenie McBear is going to try out. Now What's really interesting, we see Sister signing up for tryout. She's the first name on there. And Brother gets very excited, and he puts his name at the top of the basketball tryouts. What's bizarre about this, and I do not understand why they went this route. And this is sort of very retrograde and uh, super questionable and a little sketchy. When it comes to uh, when it comes to deep in like, when it comes to the Berenstain Bears, is something I don't understand why they chose to do it this way this is you know this is credited to stanley to stan and jan and mike but the only cubs auditioning for the musical are girl cubs and the only cubs trying out for basketball are boy cubs and that i find unnecessary now it could be that the uh, the tryouts are simply for the female leads but it just says the Music Bear tryouts. Sister is signing her name. You see a bunch of girls behind her. And basketball tryouts, but they're signing his name. There's a bunch of boys behind him. I don't get why at this elementary school you would delineate things by gender like this. Also, uh, when it shows a picture of the basketball tryouts with Coach Grismeyer presiding, you see all these boy cubs, and they are wearing their basketball regulations headbands. And it really drives some of the fact that every single cub looks exactly the same. Because if if it wasn't for the fact that we see Brother changing into his number three jersey, I would have no idea which cub was supposed to be Brother and which cub was supposed to be any other cub. Also, none of the cubs they show is wearing glasses. And that comes up later on. So hang in there. But okay, so we have all the boys trying out for basketball, all the girls trying out for the music bear. Uh, okay, and this, okay, and now more questions are going to be going to be raised so we have the bears they're auditioning on the on the stage which is fine it is the stage we've encountered before with its weird multicolored footlights which is fine uh teacher jane is is holding the auditions because that's the way things work here and babs gets up and sings the song memory now assuming it's the song memory from the bear equivalent of the musical we have what's the musical is it cats do they just have a musical called Cats? It couldn't be Bears because that that would not make any sense and not be interesting to the Bears in Bear Country. Is Cats in Bear Country about cats? Is it called Cats? Is it another animal entirely? 
boars or pigeons? I don't know, but it's fascinating to me. Cats function in bear world the same way they function in the human world, so it could just be cats, but that would be funny because we don't usually get to see pop culture that hasn't been filtered through their perspective. I don't know. In any case, Queenie gets up and sings tomorrow, and she's terrible at it. My question again, is Annie called Annie. Annie is just a proper name. I can't imagine them calling it like Barry or anything because that I guess they could, but that just I mean, first names in bear world are typically not bear puns. I mean, Barry does pop up, uh, specifically like Barry Manilow, who, as you recall, was actually name dropped in one of the chapter books, Barry Manilow, B E A R Y. Uh, but I'm just I'm I'm curious. Is cats cats and is Annie Annie and everything else everything bear related is within the like within the 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 middle of the show like the meat of the show has been verified. I don't know and I don't have any answers for you. Uh, the long and short of it though is that Babs is great and Queenie is terrible and Sister gets up and sings I feel pretty. So the Cubs are the 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 boy Cubs are having their basketball tryouts and Coach Grismeyer won't let on whether or not he thinks anyone was better than anyone else. And the girl Cubs finished their auditions and teacher Jane was just like, I'll post the results tomorrow. She won't let on whether or not she thinks anyone is better than anyone else. And the Cubs on the way home, brother and sister commiserate over the fact that uh, Coach Grismeyer is old stone face and teacher Jane is blank as well. They, just, they can't get a read on either one of their teachers. So they're excited all evening and they get up early next morning and run to the, uh, to the hallway. Uh, the basketball team is posted outside Coach Grismeyer's office, and the Music Bear cast is posted outside Teacher Jane's classroom. And Brother goes and he looks at the list, and lo and behold, he hasn't made the team. Or he has, but he's the team manager, and he's very disappointed. He wanted to be on the team. He wanted to play basketball. He didn't want to be the team manager. And this is similar to what happened to, like, Sister Bear back in the soccer tryouts. Like, she gets made manager, uh, but that's not really—it doesn't go the same direction as that. Brother is just disappointed. Uh, the basketball team lineup is interesting, however. We have Barry Bruin, Cousin Fred, Too Tall Grizzly, Bob Bruno, Vinnie Berrican, Chuck Ursulini, oh, Ursulini, Sam Honeytree, Ralph O'Grizz, Lou Barons, and then Brother Bear's team manager. Uh, a few things of note. Uh, Ursulini is a great last name. Honeytree is a last name I've never experienced before. It is not bear-related. It is honey-related, which... That's fascinating. Uh, I don't know if Bob Bruno has ever been mentioned. Have we ever met Babs's brother, Bob Bruno? Uh, I assume that's Babs's brother. Uh, but, but the one that really stands out to me is Barry Bruin is at the top, and Cousin Fred is the second. And while this may not immediately strike you as anything strange, I have to point out, once again, that Cousin Fred is named Fred. He doesn't have to go by Cousin Fred to anyone other than brother and sister, all the other Cubs are listed first and last name. Cousin Fred is simply called Cousin Fred. He has a name. It's Fred. He has a last name. I don't know what it is, but he has a mom and a dad. We know that from the last book. What is Cousin Fred's last name? Why is he only known as Cousin Fred on this list? Seems suspicious to me. Okay, so brother's disappointed. Sister goes to the music bear cache. She looks down the list, and lo and behold, she didn't make the show. She got stage manager, and she wanted to act and sing on stage. So who did get cast in the Music Bear? 
Uh, Henry Hill, the lead in the music bear, is played by Ferdy Factual. Uh, this might be our first uh, our first evidence of Ferdy Factual existing in the Zonder Kids universe. Uh, Marion is Babs Bruno. The mayor is Ziggy Grzowski, which is great. Mrs. Peru is Queenie McBear. Eddie is played by Harry Bearkins. Uh, Eulalie is played by Bonnie Brown. Gracie Anna Grizzle and Mr. Watson by Ron Ursowitz. Uh, another Ursu, like Ursu name. But I want to point out Bonnie Brown as well got cast in the music bear. She's not in the book. In fact, She's not acknowledged in any of the part of the book, but, uh, oh no, uh, Ron Ursowitz, sorry, plays Mr. Washburn. Uh, but Bonnie Brown does exist in the Zonder Kids universe. Don't know if she has the same relationship with brother that she does in the chapter books, but she exists. So sister is miserable. Brother is miserable. They get home. There's a cloud hanging over them. Uh, Mama and Papa ask them how they did. They mention that they got these management positions. Papa's, you know, he's like, that's a, that's a shame. And uh, Mama's like, well, not everybody can be a star. And sister says, well, don't you think I deserve to be in the show? And mama says, of course you do. You're a wonderful singer. And brother's like, don't I deserve to be on the team? And papa's like, of course you do. You're a terrific ball player. And brother and sister are just both like, I guess nobody else thinks we deserve this. I guess nobody at Bear Country School thinks much of us at all. So mom was like, you know what? Let's go take a walk. Uh, it's going to get cold soon. Let's go take a walk. So they go out, take a walk. The rain has let up. There's a beautiful rainbow in the sky. And... Sister asks, you know, like, what makes a rainbow? And I'm already like, okay, things are taking a strange turn. And Papa says, well, you see, uh, the light from the sun shines through the raindrops and creates a, a prismatic thingy, which uh, bounces around from the, um, uh. and then Mama interrupts him and says, the rainbow is a gift from God. It's a sign that the rain has passed and the sun has come to warm the earth again. God puts the rainbow in the sky as a beautiful sign of his love for all the earth and all the creatures that he has made. And I'm like, Mama, hey, Mama, hey, hey, Mama. Uh, first of all, Papa was trying to give a legitimate answer to the question. Uh, all he had to do was say it's, you know, light hits the raindrops and is refracted. And then, you know, that's, that's what we're seeing. In any case, hey, Mama, uh, that's, that's not even like, okay, that's not even what the... We just learned about Noah's Ark, like a book ago. That's not even what the Bible says about the rain. Like the, the rainbow is there as a sign of God's covenant with mankind, humankind, that he's never going to flood the earth again. Like, that's it. Like, that's, that's why the Bible says the rainbow exists. It has nothing to do with a sign of his love for all the earth and all the creatures he's made. I mean, the rainbow comes out after God kills everyone. Remember that? Remember when God murdered everyone on earth and almost all the animals. Uh, but this is a, just a distraction. And so brother's like, what? And Papa's like, yeah, God loves everybody. To which sister's like, even wasps. And he's like, yeah, God loves everybody. And sister's like, what about when we're bad? And he's like, uh, and then she's like, what about when we're really bad? And this is this is this is my favorite part of the book because there's a real, uh, uh, you know, I told you about the fool on the hill, like when like referring back to your past writings. Uh, sister's like, what about when brother and I got in a fight? Would speak to each other for a week? And he's like, uh. And brother's like, oh, that time too tall grizzly and his gang dared me to steal Farmer Ben's watermelon. He's like, uh. And then sister says, 
or when we watch too much TV, or when I bite my nails, or when we don't do our homework, or when, and I just love her going through all the first time books. It's a pretty, it's a, it's a, it's a fun little callback. It's fairly clever. It gets an A plus, a clever A. It gets a, it gets the cleverest A uh, for being clever. I like it. And mom is like, yes, of course he does. And she says, look, God wants us to be good. He doesn't love us because we're good or bad. He loves us because he made us. It's like how we love our kids. And and she's like, ah, oh, sister's like, yeah, like when you, you love us, even when we do things we're not supposed to do. And Papa's like, yeah, we're disappointed in you when you do something wrong. But, you know, we love you. We even love you when you don't make the basketball team or get a part in the school show. And we're proud of you. And this is the kind of the point. Because your teacher and coach trusted you to be managers with special jobs for the most responsible cubs. And so brothers are like, all right, I can live with that. And they walk home down a lane. It's a beautiful day. And then the and then and the, but then the first star of the evening comes out. And Papa's like, that's the evening star. And sister goes, Is that another sign of God's love? And mom is like, Yes, it is. And then they go home and they have some bite to eat. Mama Bear is doing something in this book that I find extraordinarily irritating, um, which is derailing the conversation to make a unrelated point about God. And I understand that it's a religious book and that Mama Bear can be a little, uh, a little much at times. She can be a lot. But in this book, she kind of is a whole lot because she keeps derailing the conversation. She keeps forcing this subject into the conversation and whether or not you believe it's true it's not what the cubs are asking about uh first time it happens is and it doesn't happen until late in the book but it was when brother's like what's a rainbow and papa in his in his goofiness tries to explain scientifically what a rainbow is like that's and, and as far as I can tell, that's what brother is asking, or sister, whoever asked the question. That's what the Cubs want to know. They're like, what is a rainbow? Like, it's interesting. It's pretty, but what is it? And Papa's trying to answer, and Mom cuts him off. Mama cuts him off. She's like, it's just a sign of God's love. And I get that she's trying, like, we're, we're getting to this point. Okay, the plot of the book doesn't set itself up to address this question. I thought, where I thought this was going, knowing the title of the book and seeing what was happening, like clearly the Cubs weren't going to make it onto the teams or the show uh, because they built it up. They, you can kind of tell in their writing like, how they're building the story up. And you, you know there's going to be disappointment. I thought the subject was going to tend more towards the why do bad things happen to good people or like if God loves us, why didn't I get the part? I guess is like kind of think, well, if God loves me so much, why doesn't why didn't I get the part to which mama and papa could have would have said something along the lines of like, well, there's only so many parts to go around. God loves all of us. But, you know, he doesn't make decisions for people. He doesn't choose things for people. He just he has love for us like we have love for you. Like we as parents aren't going to go to the school and demand you get cast in the show. That would not be a proper expression of our love for you. Our love for you is to support you. Uh, in your disappointments and in your accomplishments and everything. That's that's what love is. Like to me, that's that's addressing the concept of infinite love. If you want to say God loves you, that's fine. But you can say it without twisting the plot around so much. Uh, brother and sister come home from school and they're gravely disappointed they didn't get what they want. And 
so you could have done that. You could have just had them both be like, we're so disappointed. And mama and papa are like, well, you know, like, I know it doesn't, you know, like, it's not what you wanted, but you know, like, we still love you. God loves you. You have, you know, you have a lot. You, you go out for a walk, you see the beauty. And they're like, because, you know, this is all, this is all an example of God's love. I get what they're doing, but it doesn't address the disappointment. It's like they take a detour into the God's love thing and then juke back to the disappointment and what they, and, and the point that Papa makes at the end is is probably the most valid one, which is you didn't get you didn't get what you wanted, but you have to understand that you were the two cubs in the school that are trusted the most to help run these these important things, like a stage manager. And sister says some pretty crappy things about stage managers in here. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, all the stage manager did was put away the props and make sure everybody got on stage on time. She didn't want to be stage manager. And, I mean, the stage manager does make sure everybody gets on stage on time. Uh, stage manager doesn't put away the props. That's the prop master's job. Sorry. Uh, you should really have somebody on props, especially if you're doing the music man. There's, like, a lot of costumes and props in the music man. Uh, but, so sister trashes stage managers. But that she oversimplifies that she doesn't understand... What she could have found out is like the stage manager isn't just someone make sure you get stage manager runs the show. Like the director's job is to direct and make sure everybody knows their parts and make sure everyone knows what they're doing on stage. Uh, You know, more specifically, make sure that a show is a cohesive whole. As I always define it, make sure everyone on stage is in the same show telling the same story. Like that is what that's what a director ultimately does. Make sure that. When the audience comes, everyone on stage is working towards conveying the story that it's the same story and that they're all in the same show. Uh, the stage manager not only makes sure everyone gets on stage on time, which, you know, the stage, the stage manager, you know, unless you have an assistant who does this, stage manager calls the show so that, you know, like, so the people up in the booth, whoever's running the lights gets all their cues. Uh, the stage manager frequently schedules and organizes all the rehearsals, is the point person between the, between the show and, like, whoever's printing up the programs. Uh, we, have we made sure we've gotten ushers ready? Uh, you know, like they they call the they call rehearsal. They make sure everything stays on time so that the director doesn't have to keep track of that kind of stuff. A stage manager is a vital part of any theatrical production, probably one of the most vital parts. You can replace an actor. Replacing a stage manager is hard. So yes, sister has a it's a tough job. And I'll also say this though for teacher Jane. Don't assign someone to be the stage manager unless you've asked them. It's a huge responsibility. Sister Bear is pretty much going to be busier than anyone actually in the show. She's going to have to be in pre-production meetings. She's going to have to be in all the tech meetings. She's going to have to be at the pre-tech. Like the like, hang, She's going to have to be there when you're hanging the lights, making sure all the cues are written down. Sister Bear is going to have a larger responsibility than she was anticipating having. Same thing with Brother. Uh, Coach Grismeyer needed to have asked Brother... Would you like to be the manager? I know it's not what you want, but it's a big responsibility. However, it might be more of a responsibility. Than, I am getting off track here. This has nothing to do with God's love. What I'm saying is, at the core of this book is a legitimately strong Berenstain Bears book. Like, just not even a Zonderkid's book. Just the Berenstain Bears in general. This is a strong, this is a good contender for for a solid Bears, Bears outing. And... I'm really pleased with that. I just feel like the the God stuff kind of derails it or could have been worked into it better. 
I don't understand why they waited so long to introduce the concept of God loving everyone. Introduce it right off the top. Uh, have the Cubs coming home from Sunday school the day before the first day of school. Because that I didn't mention, but this began, this starts at the beginning of the school year. So maybe it's the last Sunday school before school begins. And they're discussing God's infinite love for everyone. Then they get hit with this huge disappointment. They come home, they're like, we thought God loved us. And mom and pop are like, God does love you, like parents do. Like, we can't interfere and give you every, we're not going to give you everything you want. You know, we, but we doesn't mean we don't love you. And the cups can be like, I get it, but we're still disappointed. And pop is like, well, you, you've, that's, I understand your disappointment, but also understand that you've been entrusted with some major responsibilities here. And, uh, you know, this is a test. Like, this is a test to see if you're up to this. And, you know, in much the same way that we are constantly being tested by God. I I don't know, maybe something along those lines. In any case, it's a little clunky, but I'd say if you're a religious parent and you're looking to introduce the concept of God's love, there are better ways to do it. But there are also, there's also a lot of cool lessons to be learned from this book. Uh, I'm disappointed in the, in the separation of boy cubs and girl cubs. I find that weird, and it doesn't help the plot at all. They could easily have mixed it up, and it would have been fine. Uh, uh, there could be girls on the basketball team. I don't understand why they chose to do it that way. Um, I like the name drops of a few of the characters who we don't usually see in the storybooks. Those are pretty cool. Uh, and, uh, and, I, and I like... I like learning a little bit more about the theatrical history of Bear Country. Uh, we don't really learn anything about the basketball team. It's just the basketball team. And that, uh, and uh, Coach Grismeyer is frequently called uh, Old Stoneface. They call him Old Stoneface. I thought he had another name in one of the other books, Bullhorn or something. Uh, also, at the Mama changing the subject constantly, what, the Evening Star is this, I don't. I don't know about all this. Like, that doesn't need to be in there. Finish it off by reassuring the kids that they have a place in the universe and just let it go at that, Mama. Mama, Papa is my favorite parent in this one. Mama, she loses the thread a little bit. Not a big fan. Now, you might be wondering, are there activities and questions from brother and sister at the end of this book? Oh, yes, they are. Let's talk about it. Question one. Why did the director and coach choose brother and sister as managers instead of for their parts they wanted? Now, we kind of covered this, but it's a good question that a parent can ask a child after you've read the book. Like, why did they? If they were good, and we know that they were, they weren't the best, but we know they were good, and sister was presumably better than Queenie McBear as a singer, why did they choose them for these management positions instead of as talent? And... Uh, and I think I think there there is a there is a, a good conversation to be had with kids about the fact that uh, you know it's good to try out all parts of things you enjoy. You may love playing basketball, but it's worth it to be on a, to be the manager to to learn what it's like to not be uh, in front of the audience all the time, but instead behind the scenes. Like that's a good place to be. It's humbling. Uh, you learn you learn more about the thing you love. And, uh, and it's a way of, of learning uh, different skills that could help you out in other things you like. Uh, two, what are some signs of God's love around you right now? I love how it goes from, why do you suppose they were given these management positions, to, so what are some signs of God's love, man? I don't know. Angels? That's an inside joke between me and two other people who were at college with me, and we were taking a philosophy class, and the instructor uh, posed a rhetorical question to the class, which is, what are some signs of God's, that, what are some signs that God exists? And one of the students who was a seminary student raised his hand and said, 
angels? And the teacher said, yes, angels. And we were like, hello, hold on, what? Angels prove God exists? Well, of course they do. If angels, if God didn't exist, how could there be angels? And that we were just like, that opens a whole slew of other questions we have for you, but we want to pass the class. I dropped that class. Uh, activities, get out and do it. One, draw or paint a beautiful rainbow, flower, butterfly. Easy enough. Draw a rainbow, kids. Two, make a photo album of people you love. <laughs> I love how it goes from like, I don't know, draw a rainbow to like, Here's a major project. Uh, add cutouts, stickers, drawings of hearts, rainbows, stars to remind you that signs of God's love are everywhere. So they want you to take up scrapbooking. That's literally all this is. It's just scrapbooking. Draw a picture of a rainbow. Great. Become a scrapbooker. Now you're talking about a whole lifestyle change. Don't know if I'm on board with that. Although Michaels makes it easy to be a professional scrapbooker. Uh, three. <laughs> Count how many times you can bounce a ball without stopping. Try bouncing it different ways and count with a clap in between, with your other hand, between your legs, etc. God loves everyone. What are some signs of God's love? Make a photo album of people you love. Add cutouts that remind you of the signs of God's love that are everywhere. Count how many times you can bounce a ball between your legs. I don't, I guess they had to. There's only two questions to talk about. You could just give us two activities and leave it at that, but nope. Try to bounce a ball between your legs. I'm going to assume they needed to do something in the at the end that was a little more active. Like maybe the publisher was like, you got to get the kids up and moving. I don't know, basketballs. In the, we haven't really touched on basketball a lot. Basketball's in the book. Give them something basketball oriented, I guess. In any case, that is the Berenstain Bears. God loves you. Uh, and that's the end of the first four Zonder Kids books. I, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, we are, we are, of course, we have like dozens, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens more Zonder Kids books coming up. So hold on to your hats. Uh, there, we will, we will be having some guests on soon. We'll be discussing some other Berenstain Bears ephemera and things very soon. Uh, one thing I'm very excited about is we are approaching the 300th episode of Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. Uh, if you have any thoughts, any reflections on Deep in Bear Country, I don't even know if people actually listen to the show anymore. I mean, I get some comments. I do get some comments from my regular commenters on WordPress, but I don't know how, beyond those two or three people, I don't know how many people actually listen to this show. So if you've enjoyed me for the last 300 episodes of my life, uh, let me know. Let me know if you like it. Let me know what you think. Uh, I'm at Twitter at BStainBearCast. Uh, I am, of course, at BerenstainBearCast.org. Or you can write to me at BerenstainBearCast at, uh, at gmail.com. That's another way you can reach me. Or if I'm on Facebook, go on Facebook, Deep in Bear Country. You can follow there. Leave a comment if you want. If you like an episode, leave a comment on that. Uh, rate and review me if you like the show. Go to uh, Audible or uh, or uh, Apple Podcasts and review me there. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, otherwise, stay cool, stay awesome. Uh, I love you all. If even if no other entity does, I do, w without question. Uh, that that's worth a that's worth a good review, isn't it? Right there. And uh, I will see you all next time. Deep in Bear Country.